Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I'm amazed at the quality of guests that continue to come on the Intentional Encourager podcast. It's nothing that that I've done, but it's just people that that I've been put in contact with that that decide that they want to take their time to come on this podcast and talk to you. And one such individual is a gentleman that I want to introduce to you. His name is Joe Peachy, P-I-C-I. Now, the first time that that Joe and I got together and got connected, I thought, Peachy, is it P-E-A-C-H-Y? But no, it's 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 Italian. It's P-I-C-I, but it's pronounced Peachy. And you can find him on LinkedIn at Joe Peachy, P-I-C-I. And he is a trainer, a speaker, he and his wife, Dawn, have Peachy and Peachy Incorporated that train people how to speak. Maybe Joe will do something for me today. Maybe he'll teach me a little bit of his tips and tricks on how to speak better. But it's my honor to welcome in Joe Peachy to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Joe, how are you today? Hey, buddy. So thank you so much for having me. You know, with me, it's either pucker or punch. You know, not everybody likes me, and I'm glad we get along. Hey, I, you know what? You, you are a neat guy. You're one of the neatest people I know, and I'm not knowing you long, but you've got such a, a dynamic story and things like that. We're going to get into that in just a few minutes, but you and your wife, Dawn, you've been together 49 years, a long time. You've been business partners for many, many years. You guys did something at the beginning of COVID that was, and we're recording this in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic. Right. You right. guys did something really phenomenal the day everything hit. Tell people that might be in that same boat that are still trying to figure it out what you guys did the day this all hit. Well, I think I have to go back before that because foundationally, you know, Dawn and I have built a marriage and built a business on solid rock. Okay. And we have a lot of history. We've been through the 9-11s. We've been through the 2008. We've been through so many situations where when COVID hit, in a 30-minute period, we lost $75,000. And uh, that's a whole lot of money. And we, because it's Joe and Dawn, Peachy and Peachy, and we don't have to uh, sit down with a board of advisors and wonder what are we going to do. We looked at each other and we said, we're built for this. Let's pivot. So what we did was we have established a sales process over the years. That really what our number one niche is, is we teach people how to get in front of their target market. We teach them all the skills and strategies of sales. Well, we only train and speak and coach on what we do. Mm-hmm. So we immediately do what we do, which is we know how to virtually sell. I do a lot of virtual selling. So because that didn't have to change, Brian, our process for client acquisition, the only thing we had to do was pivot and see what is it that we can do virtually for our clients. Mm-hmm. And Joe, here's the thing too that, that I think is fascinating is 
you you talk about losing seventy five thousand dollars in a day in in revenue coming into your business, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, a lot of small businesses, are really living paycheck to paycheck. They their 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 revenue comes in, they're they're meeting payroll and other expenses, and 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 it goes right back out. It's like the tide right. in in the ocean. Right. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. But you were built, as you just mentioned, you were built for this. But what was the first thought that entered into your mind when you get that first cancellation? Are you kind of wondering what's next? No, or did I'll you already you, start pivoting a, in your mind? That's a great. The first thing I thought about is recapture. How mm-hmm. do you recapture your lost revenue? So that immediately changed our value proposition for new and existing clients. That we were gonna go out and recapture what we lost therein, as we were successful doing that, we could take that to our clients. Because I'm of the belief, first you learn something, then you do something, then you're qualified to teach it. And in the world of speaking, coaching, and training, I'm not putting anyone down, but people tend to learn and teach before they do. And so we just put it into place. And within three weeks, we had gotten it all back. Okay. And in the other thing, Dawn and I never fight inward. We put our backs against each other. We fight out. We were going to go after it. Now, I will also say this. My wife is very people-oriented. She does not have an IT background but she has an internal desire. And so she immediately went into how could we scale our business and immediately went after the beginning of launching sell more virtually a membership business. And so she started working on that. So we basically, and I don't mean in any way, shape or form, we're very special. We have tremendous faith we put our faith into practice and we went after it. Mm -hmm. And Joe, here's the thing that that I think is so fascinating about that is a lot of people that would go through that similar situation would go, Oh my goodness, we we're going to wall off. And so it's almost like it's a defense mechanism where, where some people go into the fetal position and they, they say, Oh my goodness, um, I've got to hunker down and really try to to regroup and think and stop and and say, well, let me take a week and figure this out. You guys really did this quickly. Was it important to you to react at the speed? Was speed important to you guys, or was it we've got to react in some way? And however long it takes us to get there, that's that's how long it takes us to get there. Okay, we, we are not afraid to make mistakes. We've never been afraid to make mistakes. I mean, when you look at our past before we got into business, okay, we have always tend to, to go from mistake to mistake, from failure to failure, but we do, do it full speed. And so we knew this, the only way through was to get going in a direction. We did not change what we trained, coached, and speak on. Because I train and speak and coach all the sales, and I do it from individual people right up to Fortune 100. 
but mm -hmm. I also work with speakers, coaches, and trainers, not how to speak, mm -hmm. but how to monetize it. And I knew a lot of those people were struggling. Yeah. So for us, it was how quickly could we get going in a direction? And because we have such a, a vertical vision of what we do and who we do it for, it was just a matter of how can we deliver it virtually? And Joe, here, here's what I, I want to follow up with that, because messaging is so important, especially the people that are your client bases. They are totally dependent and their businesses and their livelihoods are dependent on others reaching out to them. And, and the, the mass domino effect that happened from COVID, what was your encouragement to those people as you reached out to them and said, I think I've got something that'll help you? What were you hearing from them and what was your encouragement back to them in those okay, couple of weeks? Of all, the way I encourage, you and I have a different style. You are an encourager personified. We're wired slightly different. The way I encourage people it is with quantifiable action steps, okay? Mm -hmm. Because when my messaging comes to you, if you would have hit the wall and you owned a business, my statement to you is, Brian, we're going to help you recapture lost revenue and recapture lost clients. Mm -hmm. That was my affirmative approach. And because, and this is not a bragging statement. When Dawn and I opened up Peachy and Peachy, we decided the only thing we would speak and coach and train on is what you as a client could measure. Yeah. And so we know how to quantify what we deliver. And we tell our clients and future clients they can call anyone we've ever worked with and they can ask, did you get the quantifiable results you were looking for? So I'm not saying this with arrogance. I'm saying this with a confidence of we know what we can deliver every time. And that's what I convey in an encouraging way to my clients. Joe, I think you just really have hit on something good there because a lot of people don't they, they, they have an idea of what they do well or what they do best. Maybe they're sitting in front of their boss and they're saying, well, I, I have a pretty good idea of my value to the company. But you put it in real numbers where somebody can say, hey, here's what we're going to deliver and here's exactly what you can expect from it. Are those expectations for you hard to to?" And, and here's where I want to go with this, because a lot of times people will say they, they stop short of, of, of making an absolute actionable statement <laughs> because they, they want to give themselves a little bit of wiggle room. When, right, you, make that, great... when you make that statement with, <laughs> with, with, with confidence, what's the typical result that you get back? Because a lot of people are not used to that direct actionable steps, and they're I'm not used to quantifiables. Is. I'm going to tell you what it is. When Dawn and I, Dawn and I, in our world, we transitioned from football coach. She was a voice coach. Uh, she was a gospel and opera singer. Uh, we transitioned into the business world 
through direct sales on a part-time basis, took that to a full-time income. We learned how to sell. Mm -hmm. Now, when we decided to make Peachy and Peachy 100% full-time, a speaking, coaching, training, consulting company, this is what I said to my wife. What don't sales trainers want to sell that'll move the needle the most? <laughs> right? Yep. And what we realized was most sales trainers, and they're great at it. They're mm -hmm. really more strategic and motivational. And there's nothing wrong with that. We decided, and this is going to answer your question, to make 80% of our training and coaching tactical. Tactics are skills. Skills deliver quantifiable, measurable results. Mm -hmm. Every training we do, we measure, because we do something that very few people do. We actually do live outbound telephone call training during the training mm -hmm. in real time. Well, you know what? That's measurable. Yeah, it is. The, the sales manager is the one who's tracking, not me. And they're tracking real appointments. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, you start realizing what your percentages are. We have a percentage on what is our percentage of getting through the gatekeeper? How, what is our percentage of getting returned phone calls? What is our percentage of if a person picks up the phone, if it goes to a meeting? So I can't measure some of the things that great speakers do is harder because it's harder to measure. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if you as a business owner, if I sit down with you and I talk about that, we're going to help you book 70% to conversion to appointments. If people pick up the phone, they're going to say, well, that kind of high. And then I can say, you're allowed to call my clients. <laughs> yep. Now, well, Joe, you become intentional about that because again, here, here's where we have gone to, and, and I've been in sales 25 years and here's what's happened in sales. 25 years ago, when, when I got into sales, everybody was tactical because you had to be, because you had old school guys that said, listen, I don't care what the market is. We've got a 25, we've got 20% sales growth to hit and we're going to hit it by God or else. Or else. <laughs> and, and, and it was, it was very, yeah, it was very tactical. So you knew the clear direction. It was up to you to execute the things. And it was very specific. This is the process we're going to use. Da, 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 da. This is, these are the policies and procedures. Nowadays in sales with so many avenues to connect with the customer, people have gone away from the tactical and they said, oh, we, we've got to be relational. And I'm 100% relational in nature. However, to your point, you better have some good connecting skills. You better have some good tactical things that are going to engage and make your customer sit up and take notice of what you're trying to do. I love what you said there. But, but let me share something with you? you. Yeah, go ahead. Don't mistake tactical for transactional. Yeah. Transactional is get to yes or no as fast as possible. That's not us. You know that 65% of the population is slow-paced. 82% of all sales happens between the 6th and the 15th contact. We are very consultative. 
-hmm. But those consultative skills have to be taught. And yeah. that's what I mean about tactical. We actually teach people how to listen, not just that they should. We actually teach people how to sell consultatively to every behavior style. So when I mean tactics, I'm talking about, you know, look, you're an old football guy. I'm talking about blocking and tackling here, right? <laughs> yeah. And nobody we're, wants we're to gonna teach, get into that in a second. Yeah, yeah, but nobody wants to teach blocking and tackling. Well, Joe, and, what you said there about transactional, I got to jump in here because yeah, yeah, you know, for years, and I'm going to use this term. In sales, there were a lot of times that it was a one-night stand sale because it became very transactional. Was how quickly can we get to close the deal? Right, and, and it's and it's it wasn't it wasn't the process. The process wasn't nearly as important as the end result. And so to your point about being transactional, there were a lot of guys that came up in selling when I came up in selling that that's the way they were taught and trained was get from A to Z as quick as you can. And, and I started terming that one night stand selling and I hate to, to, to offend anybody, but that's literally the case because all you're there to do is to complete the transaction. Right. And for us, it took me 10 years to get Caldwell Banker. It took me 10 years. I just trained a Blue Cross Blue Shield group live. Mm -hmm. First time I sat with the owner of those seven agencies was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. If I would have been one night stand or transactional, I don't get those. So the key to being able to sell consultatively for us, we have 22 ways we generate leads, mm -hmm. okay? The front end, you've got to generate a lot of leads. You have to make outbound calls. There's so many things, but when you get to the meeting, I'm not there to slam them in. I'm there to meet a need, to find, find what they want fixed. And if they don't want to fix now, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because what I know will happen is this. 95% of the people I sit with within two years are writing me a check. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they're writing me a check today. Does well, that make you, sense? You, yeah, it, it makes total sense. And, and I think a lot of salespeople are not built for the long haul. And you've I got agree. to be built for the long, you've got to be built to play four quarters of football. Yeah. You've got to be built to if you're a distance runner, you've got to be built to go 25 miles in, in some cases. And some salespeople today, you know, Joe, I, I'll say this. I think a lot of younger guys and gals that I run into because of social media, because of the instantaneous reaction that they can get from social media, that in a lot of cases, they think that it, it translates to selling in their career. And, and I'll, I'll take them aside and I'll say, listen, if you're waiting on instantaneous reaction from your buyer, you're going to be waiting a while. Yeah. Because to your point about 65% of people have a slow pace. If I'm in a buying situation, Joe, I think a lot of times people have forgotten, salespeople have forgotten how to buy. Yeah. They sell differently than the, than the way they buy themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and so they're, they're, they're gung ho to get that customer to a yes. But when the tables are turned, they're being sold. It's like, well, I want to, uh, wait a minute. Well, well, that's not how you sell. You but see, you're you're a veteran guy, and so 
Yeah, the gray hair, the gray, the little bit gray hair I've got. And I'm older than veteran, got it? So, (laughs) but here's what I've experienced. And I'm on the ground, man. I mean, I've got boots on the ground. I sell all our training, okay? I don't have an agent. So what I've noticed is about 85% of the people out there in sales today have an inbound mentality. They want referrals only. They're looking for inbound leads. It's all about inbound sales. And very few people have the mental toughness, the skills, and the strategy to be an outbound seller. Okay? And that's, so what happens is people hire this person because they were in sales, but what they were really in was order taking. Yep. Yeah. And Joe, it took me a long time to figure out the difference because I worked for a food distributor and that's what I would do. I would go point A to point B. I was a, I was a territory manager, but really what I was there to do was take care of business, you know, talk about some new things, try to get some new pieces of business. And until I learned how to really identify and talk about things that my competitors weren't talking about, right? that's when I really learned to sell. I love what you said there. Here's the thing, and and here's another thing. Our second vertical is with speakers, coaches, and trainers. And and about 2008, we're sitting at the National Speakers Association Convention, and all the big famous guys were kind of walking around whining because the industry imploded. Because, you know, when the money is down, the first thing to go at conventions is the outside speaker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so most of the speakers, trainers, and coaches – either we're going part-time or doing something else. And that year we tripled our income. And I look at my wife and I go, Hey, look, I ain't Zig and I'm not Les Brown, but we just tripled our income. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. And that's what we realized that our niche for speakers, coaches, and trainers were not how to speak, coach, and train, but how to monetize their intellectual property and talent. And that became another vertical. And, And so we saw a need and we filled it. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have always done well, and, and I'll, I'll park on this and then we'll move to, to your story <laughs> as a whole, but you've always been able to, when crisis hits, to find another revenue stream. Mm. And so many people, when crisis hits, they are just, they're, they're hyper-concerned about protecting what's right in front of them instead of doing what you guys did and go, okay, well, what's right in front of us is, is disappearing by the minute. We got to figure something else out. And, you know, I don't, I think sometimes the way you're raised and your behavior style, you know, like, like bear Bryant said once, if I'm going to fight with a bear root for the bear, you know, I mean, at some point in time, we have to take responsibility. We have to be responsible for feeding our families, for building our businesses, for doing the right thing. And I think sometimes in our economy today, we're looking for somebody else to fix our problems. Well, Dawn and I were not raised that way, so that helped us. Well, and you mentioned Coach Bryant, and and I I, I had it just I I had to throw this in there because I watched something on the SEC network not so long ago and they were they were they had about a 15 minute segment in this program on coach Bryant the legendary Alabama head coach and his players he they they were interviewing guys that played for him in the 1960s in the in the early to middle night so we're talking 55 years ago 
Right. And these men are now in their 70s, mm -hmm. in their mid to late 70s. And they were recalling the day that they heard that Coach Bryant had passed away in 1983. So, again, we're talking 37 years ago. And these men were wiping tears from their eyes. Yeah. Because they still remember, they said, listen, that day was the hardest day of my life because I loved Coach Bryant. He was hard on me. He was difficult to play for because he demanded excellence. But I loved Coach Bryant. And you could see them. These, these are men who have lived long and full lives themselves recalling yeah. the impact of, of the man that, that was on them. And, and, Joe, I said that to say this is there are times in our lives and things that we go through when people are there that love us and help us through it, and, and we get 20, 25, 30 years down the road, and we go, man, their impact on me was just incredible. You, I want to tell your story because I know that resonates with you. You've got a powerful story. You weren't always a sales coach and trainer. You had a, a life before that. Take us as far back as you want to go and tell well, your story. I don't want to get into days I spent in construction and everything, but you know, at a certain point in my life, that passion for coaching came back, came in. Mm -hmm. And I became a football coach and I started at high school and got into the college level. And, you know, we, my wife and I often talk about, you know, doing talks on forks in a road or turning points. And we've all had turning points in our life. And, and I loved coaching football. I never worried about how much money we were going to make and we didn't make any. And, you know, we, <laughs> we, we were broke and didn't care. And, uh, but I remember I had gotten myself to the one double a level and I won't mention the college, but we were at a very well-known college. We were ranked fourth in the nation. We had just completed the toughest one double a conference in America. We were waiting to see if we made it to the NC two a, uh, playoffs in those days before FCS, it mm -hmm. was division one double a, and it was great football. In fact, my entire secondary got drafted into the NFL. And we were in Jacksonville, Florida. And we, all the coaches met down there. And what we, we'd have a meeting to see what players we were going to offer scholarships before the holidays. And then there would be a dead period that you couldn't contact anybody. And then you would go to the national convention. And so that was my host city, Jacksonville, Florida. And so that the night before the head coach <laughs> went back to the hotel. And of course, what you do when the head coach leaves is you talk about it. And so we're all talking about, are we going to stay? Are we thinking, you know, are some of us thinking about taking, we all wanted to get to the next level and were there offers on the table. And, and honestly, we had some incredible offers. Well, I remember I was the special teams coordinator and the defensive backfield coach and, uh, and the defensive coordinator and I had gotten to be tight and he put his arm around my shoulder. He said, I'll tell you what, we got a chance to win a national championship next year. Stay another year and I'll stay another year. Mm -hmm. But we committed as a staff to come back. Mm -hmm. We had a great team coming back. We had just completed an unbelievable season. We had most of the horses coming back. 
We had 100% graduation rate. We were smoking. We were getting ready to put together the best recruiting class ever. Well, we actually called some of these schools and turned them down. Mm -hmm. Well, the next morning, I went and paid the bills for all the coaches. And I bought, remember USA Today? I bought one for each coach, mm -hmm. put it in their front seat. We all gave the high fives. We wishing each other. And I had to go to Richmond, Virginia and do home visits. Nobody looked at the newspaper. Everybody got in a car and headed off. And I'm driving up Route 95 and I stop in Florence, South Carolina. And this is before cell phones, guys. This is a long time ago. And I got my quarters and I'm going to call home and tell my wife, I'll be home Christmas Eve. Looks like we've really put together a great recruiting class. And I get her on the phone. She goes, are you sitting down? I said, no, why? She goes, yeah, because at that time, the pay phones, you had to actually get in the phone up. booth. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. The, the, the said, phone from been, cars. We've been fired. Yeah. The phone said, what? From... She goes, Joe, it's the front page of USA Today. Now, they'll no, say that again. I, I, I apologize. I jumped That's in there right. because, because I she was going to say that. Joe, phone... we've been fired. Yeah, you've been it's fired. It's the front page of USA Today in the column. Well, we were, I was the oldest assistant and we, I had been through a firing before. So my wife had all the assistant coaches, wives, a couple of them were pregnant and she was encouraging them. <laughs> and, and I said, what'd you say? She said, it's in the front page of USA today. We've been replaced. And Joe, let me jump in here because again, back in those days, especially for a one double A program. And I know that well, because when I was in college at Marshall university, Marshall was, was at the top of one double A. They were uh, from, for about a, a almost a 10 year period. Well, it was a 10 year period. Marshall played in probably seven or eight national championship games. Oh, I know that we hosted in Huntington. We hosted several national championship games. And so I know that very well. And, I, and my point to that is, one double A coaches don't normally make the front page of USA Today, even back then. And they don't make the money either. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That's why Jim Donnan we took put off in and went to Georgia. More yeah. hours because a lot of our recruiting, we had to we couldn't afford to fly to all our recruiting. Well, I get in the car and I'm I'm driving home. And as I'm driving home, I'm looking in the mirror. And it was the first time in my life I thought, should I be doing something else? See, I'd never thought about that before. Should I be doing something else? And cleaned up the mess when we got home. I won't even go into all that mess. Took a high school job in Southwest Florida to feed my family, hmm. making nothing. $350,000 in medical debt two babies in the house. My wife was home with the babies. Mm -hmm. And that was a point, first time in my life, I thought about getting into business. <laughs> well, Ever. And, and Joe, let, let's, let's put some perspective around that because the day before you guys have firm offers on the table from other places, you could have gone other places. And I'm sure that guys that you were on the staff with tried probably tried to reach back and re, re you know revive 
or revisit those offers. And in the world of coaching, the little bit of, of what I know about it, it's very quick. If you don't take the offer, they're on to somebody else. Right. And now. even back then. And so was, was there a temptation when you thought about it was to pick up the phone and go, okay, let me see if I can revive that. Let me, let me see what I can do to, to well, shake that Of course. That out. And it's not like we didn't. It, it's that it wasn't a great year for movement. There was not a lot of movement at that point, or the movement had already happened. This was four days before Christmas. They have a whole month from the season end to make this decision. Okay. So we wind up in Southwest Florida broke. We signed up in the direct sales business part-time. Nobody taught us how to sell. So we had to go learn and basically learning skills and executing was the foundation of what we're doing now. We just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Paid everything off. They put us on stages around the world. And at early 2000, my wife and I looked at each other and I said, we've paid off all our debt from that. We, we have the skills. Let's make peachy and peachy a hundred percent of our business speaking, coaching, and training, but let's decide we will never speak or coach and train on anything we don't do first. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want us to be the best sales training company in America. And honestly, this past year, Global Gurus voted us as the number one sales training program in the world. And I've been ranked the number one sales trainer and speaker in the world. Now, you know what, whatever that's worth, but our whole goal is to help our clients grow their business. Mm -hmm. So that was a short story. And, you know, everybody has a backstory. Mm -hmm. And Joe, let me ask you this. Was it hard for you that first year? Because again, I know you had to be focused on paying your bills and, and things like that. Was it hard for you that first year to watch college football? Because there, there are guys that, that I've, I've read stories about things like that if a coach retires or they leave or they get fired, it's hard for them to watch college football or they watch it differently. Or in the case of Mike McCarthy, who just became the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, he got fired mid season in the, in the 2018 season from the green Bay Packers, a, a job he had had forever. And he decides to, to basically go underground for a year and just watch game film and take notes and just replenish himself. And I, I want to step back for just a minute in, in the aftermath of that, because you guys, you guys get cut loose and it's the middle of bowl season eat for, for division one football, one double a, the playoffs, you know, the timeline I'm remembering back in my head that the, the, the championship game was a, a few days before Christmas mm -hmm. back then because I remember the 92 championship oh, yeah. game in Huntington that yeah. Marshall won was on December 21st. Right. And so now you're going through the bowl season. Take me back. I want to step back just for a second and cover this a little bit, because I think there are people that when a traumatic event, like a job loss happens to them, it changes their perspective on things that they enjoy doing. Did you watch bowl games that year? Did okay, you, here, and it, yeah. you know, we're all wired differently. And, and uh, I didn't know I was going to leave coaching. 
So the first thing I did was start looking for a job. <laughs> and I had it down to a science. I could sit at my kitchen table. I could find out about a job. I could get a resume together. I could, and this is before emails. This is before all that stuff. I could get it in the mail. I could overnight. I could make the phone call. And usually by the time you hear about it, it's been filled. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the first thing I did was go proactive on finding a job. Mm -hmm. The idea of high school was strictly for my family. Maybe I need to get a high school job, build a program, give my family some stability. Got it? Mm -hmm. I did that. Moved to Southwest Florida, took a, company, a, a school that never won any games. And our second year, we won nine. Wow. Now, what happened was I had to make a decision. I was not happy at that little high school in that little community that they could care less whether we lived or died or won or lost. Was it going to be climb back in and go back to college football? Was it going to be find a bigger high school job? I, all of a sudden, I was leaning up against the goalpost. I was praying. And the first time in my life, I thought, I wonder what it's like to own a business. <laughs> now, I was raised by a guy who owned a construction company. Mm -hmm. We had an opportunity that floated along in front of us. We got involved and I hated it. I hated business at first. But my behavior style is I can't be lukewarm. Mm -hmm. I have to be all in or all out. That's why in our business, I don't diversify outside our business. We have six income streams in our own business. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm very singularly focused. So what I did, I threw myself into it. And I started to learn to become a student of business. Mm -hmm. And I went after sales because I said to my wife, Sales is the only thing that people will pay for in a good or bad economy. They'll pay for growth and productivity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's where it started. I mean, it literally started with a hatred that I knew if I was going to do it, go and do it. Yeah. And Dawn and I have a common denominator. If we're going to do something, we're going to do it. Or we're not mm -hmm. going to do it. Mm -hmm. All right. We're very equally yoked. And that's where it all started. And, you know, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. And that's, over, that's 29 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Joe, I got I to ask this again, because my mind, when I'm, when I'm talking to a guest and having a conversation, my mind just resonates on things that, that they say. How long did it take you? You were in, in, in football and coaching for so long. How long did it take you to get the football out of your system? Because a coach, a guy that's coached in any sport, whether it's college basketball or professional or, 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 or college football, professional basketball, baseball, whatever it is, a lot of guys, when they decide to leave it, it takes a long time for it right. to get out of their system. That, you just a said – Great question. Yeah, you just said a minute ago, 
that you, you said, I have to be all in on business, even though I hated it, I had to be all in. How long did it take you to get the football out of your system and go, I'm never going back there again? Okay, I cannot take credit. I will tell you, if you know anything about the behavior styles, whether it's Myers-Briggs, Animals, Colors, or DISC, I'm of the behavior style that I'm very fast-paced, task-oriented. In other words, I have it built in me, not something I've manufactured. My behavior style can burn the boats. We don't have a rearview mirror. And so, not through anything I do, but the way I was wired, it took me that much time to say, that's behind me, this is ahead of us, and I cannot have a dual mind. Okay? I was not bitter. I was not, this should have never happened to me. I was, this is what God has me to do. I'm going. Now, I'll have to learn as I go. All right. And so because of the way I've been wired, not through any intellectual prowess, I have the ability to knock off the rearview mirrors and focus forward. And that's what we did. And that's so good to do that because sometimes guys and gals will hold on to dreams longer than they need to hold on to dreams thinking that something will, there's an ember there that might spark again. And, and now we're back to, to, to fires. And a lot of times those, those things just die, or you just have to, to put pour water on them and say, this is never coming back again. And so it's funny because right after I made that decision, I get an offer for a dream job. Defensive backfield coach at a Division One A football program. You, do you understand that that's what I wanted? I wanted to be the defensive backfield coach at a 1A program, eventually become the head coach. Mm -hmm. Right after I make this decision, and I want you to understand, I made the decision that didn't mean the income was there. I made a decision and there was no income and the phone rang. Just like it was yesterday, I can remember. He said, Joe, I've always wanted you on my staff. What would it take for you to come and be my secondary coach and help us with our recruiting? Hmm. And this is what I said to him. I know that road. I've chosen a new one. Wow. With no, look. <laughs> I'm not saying it was smart. Well, the I'm two things saying. that you had done, you had been a defensive backs coach at the one double a level. You had, you had done recruiting and now you get a chance to jump where the budgets are higher. Even back then the budgets were higher. And the pay scale was a whole lot different. Pay you scale got, a, was a whole you lot got your own car. Yeah. And it was like, you got to it, it was, it was like really sweet. You know, the other thing was, it was only, two hours from where we were living. It was not a major move. And I remember when I said it, I remember when I hung up the phone, my wife said, who was that? And I told her and I saw the look on her face and I said, and I turned it down. We're going to make this business work. 
with no proof, <laughs> right? With still debt. Yep. But again, I'm not a guy who can do 20 different things. Mm-hmm. And so knowing yourself is so important. And so we threw ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the challenges, you and I talked about this one time, people are afraid to commit, so they don't. Mm-hmm. They put one foot in. They make a half-hearted effort and expect results. Yeah, good point. And if we're going to go in, we're going in. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example about my wife, and I know you're going to have her on the show. Dawn is ranked in the top 10 women on LinkedIn. She's not a social media expert, but... of our paying clients are coming from LinkedIn. She's an expert at that. On March 1st, she comes into my office and she says, it's time to move into a membership digital site. She says, not everybody can afford your coaching. Not everybody can afford our boot camps. Not everybody can afford bringing you in to a corporation. But if we do a membership virtual coaching training site where people can access you for very small income, we could serve more people and we can scale our business. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife doesn't have technical background and 99% of the people I've ever spoken to who said they were going to do this on March 1st, my wife starts and on August 1st, it's up. She can commit. She can finish the task. And, and I want to encourage your audience to be, learn to become a finisher. Yeah. That's See, so if true. I can encourage anybody, it's to learn the character and the fortitude and the desire to finish what we start. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what's lacking so much. Mm-hmm. And Joe, when, when, when you get that call from that coach, because a lot of a you lot love of, football, don't you? <laughs> I, I do love what, yeah. what I what I'm intrigued by is this, because I know how I'm wired, and I know that that if I were to get a call for a certain opportunity, I'm not only answering the phone; I'm I'm thinking hard about it. Yeah, because, your bags are packed. <laughs> exactly. And my wife has been one, like like your wife Dawn, that said, "Look, I'll I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll, I'll be I'll support you." But now, you're in a situation where you have the opportunity, and you look at her and you say, "I'm not doing it. We're do, we're I'm committing to you." How important was it for you guys to do that together, and for her to hear that? from you to say, listen, our days of, of nomadic traveling and, and moving around the country, because coaches do that, especially in, in the college ranks. A lot of coaches will move different places for jobs. How important was it for your relationship and how important was it for you to tell her, I'm all in with you and us doing this? Well, I think it was the other way around. It was Dawn, this is what we're going to do. And what do you think? Mm-hmm. And she said, let's go. Now, I will tell you that uh, there's, not, there's a million podcasts out there today. 90% of people who start a podcast stop after about 90 days. Uh, 
92% of people in sales quit. Uh, the statistics for not finishing anything are large. And, and so I'll, the, when that call came in, I'm going to tell you how I made the decision. I have a system called priority management. And I had to create this priority management system because Brian, I made a lot of bad decisions in business and in life and in our career. And I had to unemotionally create a top-down decision-making process. So if you came to me with an opportunity, that decision was predetermined before you called me. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people, you better know what you want. You better know when you want it. You better know why you want it. And if somebody comes to you with an opportunity, you need to ask yourself this question. Will this be the best use of my time towards our ultimate objective? Just like yeah. that, that went through my mind. And I knew this, you're hired to be fired. Mm -hmm. This could be the best job in America, but gone are the days of staying at a school for a long time. Yep. That's right. Okay. Because even legends get fired now. Right. And so I think the biggest thing that Joe and Dawn have established is we don't think about doing anything through charisma or talent. Everything we do is through a process, communications, strategies, and skills. So therefore, I don't focus on how much money I'm making. I don't focus on did I close a deal. I focus on did we execute the process to the best of our ability. Then at the end of that, it will it will create X amount of success. Yeah, that's that's so good because again, we we have become a society where we fly by the seat of our pants. We take a we we use emotion to make decisions rather than using facts and reason and logic and things like that. Right. right. Joe, I've, I've got to ask this because, and I ask this of every guest, and, and you talked about a lot of the obstacles that you've overcome, but can you take me through a time where there was an obstacle in business or personally that you overcame and the lesson that you took from it that we haven't, maybe we haven't touched on this, but I feel like that there's somebody out there going, man, I'm really struggling with this right now. I'm trying to overcome it. And I think you've got something that, that will help somebody in that particular situation. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I did learn lesson. And to this day, it's now a major philosophy. I think when we're starting anything, anything at all, I think one of the challenges and what I had to learn was count the costs of what it's going to take to be successful. Instead of seeing this is a great idea, oh, this is going to be magnificent. Okay, that's great. This is what this delivers. However, what is the price I'm going to need to pay? What are the quote unquote, what I believe are called non-negotiables it's going to take to be successful and determine, am I willing to pay that price before I start this endeavor? And every dream has a price to be paid. And what happens is people, they fall in love with the possibility, but then when they get to the non-negotiable, they negotiate. And in all my tra training, speaking and coaching, 90% of the people I sit with negotiate with the non-negotiables. 
So I would say to people listening out there, the biggest lesson I had to learn was before you say yes, find out what do I need to master? What's the price I need to pay? What are the non-negotiables? And decide if I'm willing to do that. If I'm willing to do it, then I can win at this. Joe, that's, that's great. My last question, and I, I, I use this as a last question on almost every podcast. How do you, I'm not going to ask you for your biggest piece of intentional encouragement because I think you've already given it. But how do you encourage yourself, not only during these times, but in good times as well? How do you stay encouraged on a daily basis? It's a very simple thing I do. <laughs> Joe, I, I think the word dream has been erased from our vernacular. Mm -hmm. What are your dreams? What, what, what is it that you want? What, what do you want? What do you want for your family? What is that you want? Fix, and I encourage your audience to fix that first. What is it that I want? Find a dream. Find the price. Mm -hmm. And then I encourage you to pay it. Because when you pay a price, forget the money, forget the recognition, the only way you build self-esteem is when you face your fears, you face that lion, and you go after it, you defeat it. And that's what makes us who we are. So find the prize, find the price, and pay it. Man, such good. What a, what a great way to close our conversation. Joe Peachy, go to LinkedIn and find him at Joe Peachy, P-I-C-I. -I. Hey, can also, I give your audience something free? Absolutely. I, I, we love free I have, stuff. Yeah. I have free. This is free. I promise this is not an upsell. This is free. If you take out your phone and you're going to text the word sales edge, that's going to be the message. One word. Some iPhones break it up. You're going to want it to be one word. You may have to put quotes around it. So you're going to text sales edge to five, five, six, seven, eight. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm it's going, yeah, it's going to take you to a link. That link will take you to a splash page. Five, five, six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight. That's the number. And the word is sales edge in the message. Now, when you hit the link, it's going to take you to a splash page. The first thing you're going to see up there is recapture lost revenue, virtual selling, free e-course. It's going to be five videos. Cost you nothing. Take that course. You'll love it. Just did it. Now, just, just, just have done it. Put your name, put your email. It'll go to your email. The second thing, if you scroll down, there's some free e-books. But all the way down the bottom, there are links to my podcast called Sales Edge. It's on all the podcast hosts. It comes out every Tuesday, Thursday. It's free. It's all about business, sales, marketing. That's our free gift to you. But thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's, man, this has been so good because, again, the, the yeah, we talked a lot of football. And, yeah, I'm a football fan. I, I, I'm a big-time football fan, college and pro and um, you know, if we didn't have the green screen, I would wear, I would have worn something Marshall thundering herd related. Cause that's my, <laughs> that's my school. But, um, 
Man, this was so good, Joe. And again, connect with Joe on LinkedIn at Joe Peachy, P-I-C-I. Also go to peachyandpeachy.com. That's P-I-C-I. If you want a free complimentary cup of Joe, 407-947-2590. Call me. Yeah. My thanks yeah, as always that. to that, producer that, Bryce that. Sexton and, and, again, and technical advisor Matt Meads. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord yeah. Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day because that helps us. And until next time, remember, every vote, everywhere, every time, and any place can be an intentional.